This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. So we're going to go from the national perspective that Yvonne and Jeff provided us, and we're going to drill down to the latest in STEM, arts, and STEAM in California. And we are proud to have back with us again this year Chris Rowe, CEO of California STEM Learning Network, and Craig Watson, Director of the California Arts Council. Please come on up, gentlemen. It's great to be back. Uh, I'm Chris Rowe with the California STEM Learning Network. This is Craig Watson from the California Arts Council. What a, what a difference a year makes. I uh, know. Yeah. It's, uh, I was just thinking on the way here this morning, I just flew down from San Francisco. It's been a year. Uh, we had a conversation a year ago, which was a great opportunity to start a dialogue. And I'm just thinking that the year that's passed has been an absolutely amazing year. Um, I was thinking, too, our, our dear friend Leonard Nimoy just passed in the last week, and there was something that Captain Kirk used to say to uh, Spock all the time. Was it full, full warp speed ahead? Warp speed ahead, Spock. And I think that's where we've been in the past year in California. It's, uh, it's been an unbelievable pace. Uh, so I have to thank um, all of you who are out there really doing the work uh, that, that needs to happen to make uh, what we hope will be a full, robust STEAM education for every student in the state of California. So I'm, I think this conversation is going to go. I'm going to start out and talk a few minutes about um, California STEM Learning Network, some of the things that we're focusing on, increasingly bringing the arts into the work that we're doing. I think Craig is going to talk a little bit about the perspective from the California Arts Council. Then we're going to have a little bit of dialogue, and then I think we're going to have some Q&A. So we're going to try to get all of that in in the next uh, 40 minutes or so. So. Um, so I'm going to start out and just give you a little bit of perspective. Uh, really, uh, in the last year, like I said, it's been an amazing time. Um, Mike Kirst is the president of the State Board of Education, and he wrote a paper a little bit over a year ago about um, Common Core, it changes everything. And it was somewhat, I went back and looked at it recently, it's, it's a really amazing document, and he laid out, as we started this process Really, Common Core has been around for about four years now, but it's only been in the last year that we've really begun to fully implement Common Core. But his uh, analysis and prediction is rightly so that that would really change everything. And in fact, we're almost rebuilding our public education school system in California from the ground up. Um, a year ago at this time, we were really just fully beginning to implement Common Core for the first time, even though it had really been approved three or four years ago. But really, the funds had never been there. There were no new tests. The tests were developed and implemented last year for the first time. How do you remember that? All the anxiety around the, the Smarter Balance testing and online computer adaptive testing. That happened for the first time last year. So that kind of clicked everything into high gear. Uh, a year ago at this time, we had just approved new science standards. How many know that we have new science standards in this room? Good. Awesome. That's great news. I'll talk a little bit about where that's heading in a minute as well. Uh, we also had suspended, uh, put in a brand new accountability system for our entire state. Suspended the old system, the API, and we're rolling out something called LCAPS. And I think we talked about that last year, local control accountability plans. Remember we were having a discussion on how many people were involved building this brand new system from the ground up. There's been a lot of progress in that area in the last year as well. And then um, one other thing that happened uh, really in the last year that I'm going to talk a little bit about is the T part, uh, in particular, of STEM. 
uh, has really kind of caught on fire here in California. There's been a tremendous amount of progress, awareness, building, largely led by uh, business community uh, around this particular issue. Uh, so there's been a huge amount of progress uh, in that area as well. So where are we at today? Um, starting out really, we, as we look at what's happening in California, it's really around, we have a whole new set of standards. I know you guys have worked on standards as well. Uh, there's been talk about the Common Core over here, next generation science standards, we've got art standards, we've got career technical education standards. We have a whole new suite of standards. And it's really now around how do we make the most of this opportunity to break down these barriers, these silos that have existed in the past between all of these separate discrete disciplines. So we have a huge opportunity in front of us as we move from standards uh, adoption to curriculum development to actually implementation, how we think about how do we train teachers, both new teachers and existing teachers, and how do we support teachers, both in the formal setting but in the informal setting as well. It's an absolutely huge issue. Um, I want to talk a little bit about next generation science standards. We think this is probably the biggest opportunity that we have to really ensure that every student in the state has an opportunity to a STEAM education. Our science education in the state is quite honestly um, very weak uh, if you look at nationally. And this is no disrespect to science teachers who are doing tremendous work in the classroom. Uh, I know here in San Diego, you've got some amazing work that's going on. But when you look at the amount of time that has been spent on science, the quality of the instruction, particularly in the K-5 levels, uh, we've let this atrophy over the last decade plus. And this is largely because of the the no child left behind uh, paradigm that we've been under for the last decade, which has really put so much emphasis strictly on math and English language arts. So we have a huge opportunity in front of us with the new, new next generation science standards. We're working on developing a curriculum framework, which right now the draft document is around 1,000 pages. The, California is the only state in the nation that really goes through this process of developing this massive curriculum framework that will really drive curriculum developers uh, really around the country uh, for the next decade plus. So we're spending a lot of time as a network focusing on this new curriculum framework development. How does art fits into that? How does computer science fit into that? How does environmental education fit into that? Uh, there's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of opportunity to really think creatively about how we can break down the silos as we're building uh, this new curriculum framework for the state. We also have a, a statewide NGSS implementation plan uh, that has been adopted by the State Board of Education with recommendations for uh, LEAs at the local level and also at the state level. And there's a leadership coalition being built to help ensure that the vision for our new science standards uh, gets, uh, gets realized over the next four plus years. I, I can talk more about that later on, but I just wanted to make sure that you're aware of, of all that's happening in that particular area. Um, computer science, as I mentioned, that part of STEM had been largely forgotten in the state. There was a realization last year by a number of um, business executives, uh, Eric Schmidt was one of the folks that helped uh, sign a letter to the governor saying we really need to do something about this issue. We actually did uh, some research on this and uh, produced a, a policy brief. If you go to our website, you can actually download it. We were looking at where do we stand as a state with respect to computer science education? Uh, almost all companies in the state, whether they think of themselves as a STEM company or an IT or computer science-based company, rely upon people that have training in these areas. 
we found that less than one in 10 students by the time they graduate from high school will have had any computer science class in California, the home of Silicon Valley. And you know, when you think about this field, that's shocking. Um, when you look at market share nationally in terms of the numbers of trained people in these fields that California is producing, we have lost ground over the last decade as a state in this area, which is troubling. And when you look at the role of women and minorities in these fields, we've made no progress over 30 years. So that's very troubling. Uh, there were a whole series of bills that were passed, uh, largely as a result of this letter and the governor uh, getting in front of him. Uh, so we have some real opportunities in front of us over the next uh, couple of years. Do we want to have computer science standards? That was one of the bills that was passed. Doesn't mean we will have them, but there's a discussion that's going to take place about whether we do need to have computer science standards in our state. So we're helping to lead some conversations uh, among not only our K-12 partners, our higher ed partners, and business and industry partners, really about how can we build this pipeline uh, to get more students, more women, more students of color into these fields. Uh, it's a huge issue for our state and our economy here in California in particular. And then I want to spend a little bit of time talking about our new accountability system. Last year, uh, a lot of you in the room probably participated in local LCAPs. We were building the system really on the fly. A lot of people didn't really know what was supposed to be in them, what was not supposed to be in them. A lot of work has been done at the state level to kind of refine that. There will be a new, uh, a new LCAP that's coming out this year. There's an evaluation rubric being developed so that we can actually determine uh, what, uh, how to evaluate whether these LCAPs are you know, good LCAPs, so to speak. But we were curious to see how people were thinking about STEM and, and more narrowly science as part of these LCAPs. And our findings were kind of troubling. We found, we looked at 88 LCAPs across the state, the 50 largest districts in the state, and then 38 other districts from across the state. We found that less than half had any mention at all of STEM, um, and less than half had any mention of science as one, one example. Now, we did some more clarifying what's supposed to be in these LCAPs, and according to state law, science, as one of the approved state standards, must be part of LCAPs, priority area two. So we have a lot of work to do this year around uh, getting this work out to folks and making sure that as the LCAP process this year rolls out, that people understand what goes in, into these new, new systems. So we're about ready to release a research report in the next couple of weeks uh, about this. And we're developing a toolkit that can actually be used at the local level uh, as you're working with your community members around your LCAP development. Some questions to ask, some ideas for what can go into that process and so forth. We think it's extremely important as we move in this era of local control that, uh, that you are informed and advocates at the local level as these decisions are being made for all of our students. So just a couple of closing thoughts um, before I turn it over to Craig. In terms of our focus area and, and things going forward, um, really it's about getting resources for implementation of these new standards and really thinking about integration of these new standards. How do we leverage the dollars that have been put forth how do we leverage more dollars at the state level and local level as decision-making is being turned over to the local control and what's important for our students in our local schools? So that's one area. That really means that we have to focus on engaging students, parents, our community members, in particular our business leaders uh, in each region and, and locality around the state. 
and giving them the tools that they need to be effective advocates at the local level. And then finally, uh, really regionally, we have to think as a region uh, what's important. And, and that's why I'm, I'm really happy to be here at this event today and know that there are also regional efforts within this effort to advance, with, whether it's in Los Angeles or Orange County or San Diego or any part of the state. We really have to think about how do we get this uh, work moving around our local priorities. Because some of the traditional processes that have been in place to support regional cooperation have gone away under the new funding formulas. So we have to be more vigilant to make sure that we're leveraging uh, the local resources, that we're collaborating uh, in our regions across the state. And then one, fin one final thing, our, um, our annual summit, our fifth uh, STEM summit is coming up March 16th and 17th in Los Angeles. We've got an amazing lineup of speakers and we've got uh, somebody talking about curiosity through the eyes of Marie Curie, through history. We're gonna be talking about it through the lens of the future, through the eyes of a filmmaker and students. We've got the California Teacher of the Year coming. So I would encourage you uh, to, to come and check that out. Uh, I think it's going to be a great event. We're really excited to be in Los Angeles as we're talking about where the field is heading uh, over the next year plus. So, Craig, that, I'm going to turn it over great. to you. Great. Well, that's a great segue. I think uh, a year ago, indeed, we talked and, about several things that now we see in their fullness and they're uh, coming to fruition. I remember we chatted about um, uh, a science teacher who is a passionate advocate for the arts, uh, sitting at the head of uh, the California Department of Education. Indeed, some of you in this room helped reelect Tom Torlakson, who, again, retired science teacher, passionate advocate for the arts, but leading our state CDE. We talked about the beginnings of um, really the fear, I think, that we all felt uh, with this new funding strategy that the governor so radically put in place. So local control funding formula was just really coming into its fullness in terms of our consciousness. And now, as you suggest, um, we're just seeing with our own eyes how our science and, and from our perspective, how are the arts being incorporated into LCAPs. Um, I talked about what we hoped was the beginning of momentum to see more funding resources come to the arts at a state level. Right. And indeed, we had a year ago the benefit of an extra $2 million that came as a gift from our Speaker of the Assembly, and we thought that it portended good things for the future. And so a year later, I'm delighted to say, many of you know this, or hopefully you know this, that the governor signed last June a budget that put additional $5 million into the arts. That's a good thing, yes. Yeah, right. Um, and part of the reason these resources are important is that everybody in this room potentially has the opportunity uh, to take advantage. Uh, we are always, uh, whether we're individual artists, we're, we're teachers, we're part of a, a collective effort, we're hungry for resources. So I want to just get off uh, the ground for you the, the, the moment you have with our resources. And if you don't know about what's available, we have eight new funding programs that are all in active play right this minute. Traditionally, Artists in Schools has been a, a million-dollar program. Uh, that sounds like a lot of money, but it's spread out over, the, over California. It's a minuscule amount of money, but I hope you know about it. Certainly those of you in the room who are looking for resources to bring artists uh, into the classroom, this is an opportunity to take advantage of that. But we also have two other areas that I want to make sure that you, you're aware of. 
uh, because it's such a change from our past to where we are today, even a year ago to today. Uh, we have money for professional development. Uh, and so if you go online, uh, an individual from an organization can apply for up to $750 to go in to get support for professional development work. That's attending conferences, training, workshops, that sort of thing. I can imagine in this field um, that would be of interest to you. And then organizations themselves can apply for up to $3,000 for strategic planning, consulting help. And again, in this area, which for some of us is new and exciting, we need that additional uh, help. So that's a program. We also have another uh, program called Creative California Communities. And last year, uh, just as an example, we funded a significant project that the Pasadena Arts Council was doing uh, you know, they call themselves the City uh, of Arts and Sciences because of Caltech and mm-hmm. Art Center College of Design. And so we gave them a significant grant around a conference they do every two years on arts and science. That was just completed this last year with some of our additional funds. And I know in the room we have people who are passionate about this place. If you were at the, at the event last night at Silo in that whole maker's uh, space, uh, it isn't hard for me to imagine that given San Diego's leadership in this area, that you would be applying to this California Creative Communities category. Again, another resource that I want to make sure you're aware of. But the other thing a year ago uh, we were commenting on was this document, a blueprint for creative schools. The difference between now and a year ago is that we had the raw material of this report. But what we now have, and you should be, we'll be showing a slide before we leave the stage, where you can download the blueprint. And in the blueprint, there are a number of categories, some of which you hit upon in terms of how, they're, how important they are for STEM. But just to give you an example, we have uh, nine categories, uh, nine chapters, if you will. Um, one would be uh, supporting the arts curriculum, and in that uh, it, it anticipates not only um, the importance of the new science standards, but the, the new art standards as well. Enhancing educator quality, preparation, uh, the professional learning in the arts. So again, this whole professional development for teachers, which is so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, high quality arts assessment, again, this, that we share uh, um, uh, the importance of. Equity and access, certainly Yvonne and, and Jeff, I thought, hit right on, on, the, on the head this notion that it cuts across all of our work. What are we doing to ensure an equitable and accessible um, Uh, instruction for all of our students, regardless of where they come from. Uh, The strengthening collaborative relationships and the role of business and industry. Those are two hot-button categories for all of our work in finding uh, particularly corporate partners uh, in this world of STEAM and and STEM. Um, And so I just want to make sure that you're aware of this uh, resource and, and that you find it and look it up. Inspired by the blueprint work um, were several things that we've invested in over this past year quite deeply. Historically, two of our largest uh, investments, one was in the Turnaround Schools Project. And if you're not aware of that national program, which now has 10 10 of the lowest performing schools in California have now entered that program with one of the largest two-year significantly large grants from the California Arts Council. And one one of the things that's interesting to note is that as a founding funder, we were joined by Frank Geary, the amazing architect, who I think of as the embodiment, really, of STEM and STEAM. Um, He often talks, if you've ever heard 
Frank Gehry talk about his work, he talks about the importance of his ceramics teacher and his role growing up in the arts. And here he is now, one of the preeminent, one of the most preeminent architects in the world. And he was an investor in the Turnaround Schools project. And then another program that I want to make sure that everyone's aware of is a program called Creativity at the Core. Again, you spoke to this moment of the common core. What we've done is by funding the California County Superintendents Association, Educational Services Association, they have an 11-member region. And each of those regions right now are developing world-class, best-practice teacher uh, development modules to show how the arts can be integrated into a whole range of topics. And those modules will have great lessons, I think, for uh, the sciences as well as to how the arts in, in a STEAM-rich environment, we use the best practices out there. So those are two major investments that we've made. And then lastly, um, uh, the, you mentioned the three counties, San Diego, Orange, and L.A., and indeed the... Um, Tri-County Arts and STEM Collaborative uh, is here in the house, and they're members uh, of that collaboration. But I think uh, what's exciting about that collaboration is, is many-fold, but right now they're working on documenting 12 different schools in the Tri-County area that demonstrate what is it when we mean a high-performing STEAM environment. What does it really look like? Can you have a robotics program and make sure and, and just say, hey, add color to those robots and that makes it a STEAM program? Well, no. We, we know that's not what we mean by STEAM and a, and a robust protocol. So one thing that I'm excited about, and I, I know you share this, is that that group, that three-county group, will help all of us understand what it looks like and what it really is and how to, how to produce high-quality work. The last thing I want to say, and this is how I ended my comments last year, is we've invested uh, again this year in an update to a statewide creative economy study. And on April 15th this year, there'll be a hearing in the state capitol led by the new head of the Joint Committee on the Arts, Ben Allen. And if you don't know who Ben Allen is, newly elected from Santa Monica, he comes from, I think, nine years as a school board member. He's a very bright and capable guy. He asked for this chairmanship of the joint committee, and he will oversee a hearing to show and discuss what is it about the creative industries of California? Why is it so critical to our future that we keep our industries filled with our own students and our creative um, workforce? And uh, last year, I quoted it, uh, $275 billion of state GDP, one in 10 jobs. And that data will be updated. I, it, it's not that it will change dramatically, but it gives us another conversation point mm -hmm. with a state legislature. And again, what you and I care about is both advocacy, policy, how do we make systemic change? And I think the state does have a role. Um, it's interesting to note that we have a couple of state legislators who've been starting to chew around this idea of what's happened in Congress with a STEAM caucus. We'd love to have a STEAM caucus in the state legislature, and I could see it led by Jay Obernolte, who is a new assemblyman who uh, built his first video game in his dorm room at Caltech in Pasadena, and now is a multimillionaire overseeing an, a, a, a company uh, in the video gaming business, He's the vice chair of the arts, entertainment, sports, 
Tourism and Internet Media Committee, the longest named committee in the state legislature. <laughs> but he's passionate about this intersection between the sciences and the arts. So we have a new champion potentially yep. at the state level. So I'll leave it at that. We wanted to talk a little more. Yeah, great. Um, well, that's exciting. I learned a lot just from being here today. It's amazing that there's so much going on. Um, one of the things that I was hoping that we could talk about before we open up questions is um, the new accountability system. It, it, we're really doing something in California that's, I think, phenomenal and amazing. We've had something called the API for probably a decade, which um, has really driven so much of what happens in our schools around that high-stakes math, particularly math and English language arts testing. That's gone. It's been suspended. It's been done away with. And they're working hard to develop the new whatever's going to replace the API. So one of the things that we're watching is what is that new system going to look like? How does STEM and STEAM fit into that? We know in the old system, it probably drove a lot of the kind of stuff that we'd like to see out of schools and out of classrooms. So I was curious how, how you are thinking about that uh, particular area, and maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit about how we're thinking about that, too, because I think between that and the new assessments development that's coming out, uh, it's kind of the triumvirate, if you will, of education policy. You've got new standards, assessments follow, and then accountability, and if you don't get any one of those right, you can really undo the good work in any of the other three areas, and, and that's really the space we're moving in, is developing these new assessments and the new accountability system. So I'm just curious what, how you guys are thinking about that, and maybe we can have a little conversation about uh, well, we'll see how much conversation. I wouldn't in, in any way call myself uh, an expert in this area. In fact, I'm going to punt it back to you in a second so that you can tell us what you're doing, and then we'll okay. learn from you. But indeed, um, the California Alliance for Arts Education uh, is, is, is one group that's been working to help local school districts look at their LCAPs and understand how the arts and all of the uh, expectations of the LCAPs for accountability are met. And so I would direct people, if you haven't looked for the toolkit that exists from the California Alliance for Arts Education, you do so. That would be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And then again, this three-county uh, collaboration, I think we have some of our top people in, in the room here today, whether it's Russ Sperling, uh, Denise Grande, um, Pat Wayne is here. So as you circulate, uh, look for some of these folks, and uh, we, we can be helpful in that regard. Okay. Well, what, we're, what we're seeing, well, that's, that's great yeah. to know. What we're seeing is it's looking like there's going to be a hybrid model that's developed to replace the API that includes some local uh, factors through the LCAP process. So we've got the LCAP now year two. So there's, it's looking like there's going to be eight different areas, five kind of state-mandated areas and probably three local. Uh, so the locals could choose, I want these three things for my LCAPs to be part of this uh, formula. But what we're seeing is a new formula that's being proposed by a subcommittee, if you will, to the State Board of Education, is going to be uh, a much more nuanced, much more uh, rich set of variables and factors that go into an index. It's no longer, here's your math score, here's your ELA score, here's your API, done. It's going to be very um, uh, multifactored in terms of uh, college well, it's not going to be college admissions rate, but high school graduation rates. Students that are taking career technical education could be one factor. Uh, course taking patterns, uh, access issues, school climate issues, school engagement issues. Uh, so it's going to be a very robust and nuanced formula. 
But we're still trying to figure out, is this new formula that's on the books going to help encourage schools to have more STEM and STEAM as part of what they're doing uh, during the formal and in, informal, after school, out of school time, times, or, or not? And I think the jury is still out on that. So we're, we're following that very closely. Uh, and, and if anybody else in the room is following this closely, uh, we'd love to hear from you, get your feedback, because uh, the state board will, in the fairly short term, uh, be looking to adopt whatever this new formula is. And it'd be probably what we have at least for the next decade in the state. So it's really, really important that we spend some time looking at this, unpacking it, and really getting input from people you know, in the field, at, at the school and community level, about what's going to work for, for them and their communities. One thing that we do talk about in the blueprint, well, two things. One is the idea of an arts report card, uh, but more of a, of a carrot, not a stick. Mm-hmm. So what, is the, what are the attributes of an arts-rich uh, school, and how can we incent schools, to your point, how do we draw them toward caring about, because we're measuring it and we're expecting it, but, uh, but the thing that I think, uh, one thing that's useful also in the blueprint is a, a small section, but which talks about uh, local control funding formula and the LCAPs in terms of those attributes. So you've already mentioned them, certainly student outcomes, student engagement, school climate. Right. These are all areas that I don't, I think that, again, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, yeah. is that these are things that an arts-rich environment, an engaged arts-rich environment Absolutely. That, that, that bridges both STEM and, and the arts uh, really goes a long way to meeting those goals and objectives. Absolutely. Yeah. Are we doing on time? I should, maybe we should open to questions. I want to make sure 15 minutes. Oh, we're good. So we can have a conversation. Let's so, yeah, let's open it up to, to questions. There's one right here. Hmm. Yeah. We're, uh, what's, what's that term? When you greenwash something, it's, it's because you want to be seen as environmentally friendly. I, we don't want an arts wash, right? So it's not taking science and sort of washing it with the arts. Hmm. Uh, recently, uh, I was at the Exploratorium twice in the last year. One as an, as an invitee to your board meeting. And so your, your uh, STEAM, STEM, uh, network is chaired still by the director of the Exploratorium. And what was fascinating, on my second visit uh, to the Exploratorium, uh, the director took us right to a very seminal, important piece of art that's there in the Exploratorium. And we were there because we were visiting with the head of the National Endowment for the Arts, Dr. Jane Chu. And what he said to her is, this piece was funded in 1976 by the National Endowment for the Arts. So for that long ago, deep in the DNA of the Exploratorium, and, and certainly talking to the folks at the Exploratorium, they make a strong uh, commitment, a strong case, that it's not the, that the arts are subservient to science, but they're equal partners in this continuum. Mm-hmm. But I think Exploratorium is, is certainly unique. But I think the museum world is certainly waking up to the whole maker movement and... and um, I think that's an exciting place where we can uh, see museums of all different types realize that, that kids um, need to be exposed in all of their senses uh, to creativity. And certainly the arts in a pure form, in an in a, in a, in a th- authentic way, are, are part of an art experience. But, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I want to see more of that. And the question is, how do we, how do we make it happen? You know, how, how can we all stimulate those crossovers that are authentic and not just an art wash. Yeah. 
So the, in particular about API, API uh, is the state-level accountability system. ESEA is the federal one that drives, you know, how we label schools. In this case, almost all schools are failing under the now over 10-year-old NCLB. Actually, it is moving in Washington, D.C., finally. Uh, there has been a lot of movement on ESEA reauthorization. Um, and it's very strange, I have to say, uh, and I'm not following this as closely uh, as I probably should be, and I worked in D.C. for many years and ground zero for all of that. But from what I can tell, there's a lot of discussion and there's a lot of strange bedfellows with respect to the reauthorization of the ESCA between some people on the far right, uh, teachers' unions are agreeing in certain areas. Um, it, it's, it's a very strange process, I have to say. It looks like they're moving towards reauthorization. From what I can tell, there's going to be a lot more flexibility for states to decide what they want to put into the accountability system. So in the past, again, it was this high stakes, math, English language, arts. Science was required as part of AYP, but it didn't really count, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I think they'll probably keep those in place, is what it's looking like. But there's going to be a lot less of the, I would say, a lot less of the stick uh, approach that we've had in the past. That's, that's my read. Uh, I think that's an accurate read. We, we were just back in D.C. on a, a lobbying effort, specifically for the National Endowment for the Arts, but in the offices we visited that had impact on this question. And you've got your congresswoman from San Diego sits on the key committee, uh, Susan Davis. Um, and so the concern is that we're swinging a pendulum, right, mm-hmm. from, from federally mandated yep. structure to a completely decentralized and I'm hoping, I think the, the conventional wisdom is that we'll, we won't go all the way right. to state local control. Exactly. Because while it may be a benefit to a, a state like California, we may in our fullness think that we could handle that and, and just do a great job of it. The fact is that if you look at federal policy and the history of federal education or the, or the impact of the federal government on what gets delivered in, in states that aren't as ready... Uh, and frankly, there's been many abuses. So somewhere in that continuum is the right place. And so we hope that's where we end up. I agree 100%. The, the pendulum is going to swing back from this high stakes, you know, shame everybody to the opposite side is where it's heading towards hands off everything. Uh, I think we need to land someplace in the middle. And they're trying to figure out what that middle ground looks like. Um, and hopefully, hopefully they'll get something passed. Uh, they're thinking maybe this spring. I, I don't know if that'll happen or not. Yeah. But. The question? Well, that is a great question. If I had the answer to that, uh, well, I think there's some promising things on the horizon, um, particularly as we're rolling out the new next generation science standards. We are looking at developing a new set of assessments. Uh, the CSTs are, are actually we still have the CSTs in science, which is kind of a, a downer, but uh, for the time being. Uh, but we have. I don't want to say a free hand, but we have a lot of opportunities in front of us in California in particular because we're so large, because the accountability system has been suspended, because science in the past was not a huge high-stakes part of it. And there was a report that was written by the National Academies about what a new assessment paradigm could look like. And it could be starting in science, but it could expand to a lot of the other disciplines as well. So we've got folks at Stanford like Helen Quinn, Linda Darling-Hammond and some of the top people there and, and around the country that are really trying to think outside the box. How would we build uh, a new formative assessment system that feeds into summative assessments 
not high stakes, but really kind of gets at helping students, teachers, parents understand what's going on and being much more useful rather than this fill in the bubble, high stakes, you got the answer wrong, sorry, come back next year. Um, so there's, uh, I don't think we're there yet, but we do have some real opportunities in front of us here in California to do something, I think, really innovative in this space. We've got to find the funding to do it, for one. Uh, and we do have to have something in place because of federal requirements at some point. Um, but um, I'm, some of the groups like Concord Consortium, I don't know if you've checked out some of their, their tools. Um, they're helping to talk in, in some of these conversations at high levels. Um, I wish I, had, I wish I had something I could just kind of point you to. There's something from Achieve called the Equip Rubric. I don't know if you're using that yet um, to kind of get at it. Are new materials that are coming out, are they aligned with the new next generation science standards? But there's a lot of work that has to happen in the next couple of years in this space, and I think you put your, your finger right on it. Maybe this is appropriate as a shout-out to uh, an upcoming session here today. I think Brad Hughes is coming up on the agenda, and he wins the award, I think, for acronym development. Assuming he was in charge of this, right? He has a he has a program that you're going to hear about called Escape. And if you haven't read what the acronym stands for, it stands for Equitable Science Curriculum for Integrating Arts and Public Education. Hmm. Pretty good uh, acronym. So anyway, shout out to Brad, and we'll see how that goes uh, in a session later today. Other questions down here? Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about that. And that's the whole idea around the Smarter Balance test is there should come out a lot faster so we won't have that six-month lag. They're not useful for anybody after six months. I mean, why, why do it, right? So that's the idea. With, this, with the new Smarter Balance test, they're still they're piloted last year. They're going to be rolled out full-scale scale this year as we're developing new science tests. The idea is to use those as real-time formative assessments uh, not high stakes, but really to get it in the hands of teachers and so the parents can understand it as well. Um, so yeah, I, absolutely. And we have the capability to do that. We're sitting here at Qualcomm. I mean, we're, you know, all these companies get real-time data. They understand how big data works. Uh, you've got places like Khan Academy that are doing this with real-time. So yeah, we have to do this as a state. And this is some of the things that they're trying to focus on. How do we do this at scale? Uh, but we've got to do a lot better. We, we can't go back to that 20th century system. It's just, it's, it's not useful for anybody, particularly parents. Other questions? Back here? Please. That is a very interesting question. Um, I can't say that I'm an AP expert. Um, I don't know that they do. I know that the college board has a new head who was very instrumental in helping to develop the Common Core, and that they're changing the way the SAT is coming out in 2016. They're revamping a lot of their AP courses. How that actually maps to the STEAM concepts, I would hypothesize that there's going to be a better alignment. I don't. I can't say that with, you know, fidelity, but just given what I know about them and what I've heard about the direction they're heading in more kind of authentic learning, more kind of critical thinking, not just, oh, here's the SAT verbal, memorize all these crazy words that have absolutely no use in everyday life. They're changing that around. Now, these are real words that we really need to know in our lives and really understanding how that relates to everyday. So I think it's moving in that direction. I can't say a lot more than that, and, and I don't know if you have no, any experience in that area. Nothing either, to but, add in that, in that area. But, yeah. Other questions? 
So up on the screen, the top uh, link is to createcalifornia.net. That's a uh, website where you'll, you'll find information about that statewide uh, collective impact model. That's what we're working on across five key organizations. And so please check that out as a resource. And Pat Wayne, who uh, until relatively recently was helping coordinate the three-county arts and STEM collaborative, has now been hired as support staff to this statewide effort. And CREATE, just as a reminder, stands for Core Reforms Engaging Arts to Educate. Brad, how's that for an acronym? Um, and again, that's where you can find the blueprint. It's where you can hear about a, a, a convening we just had at the Oakland School for the Arts. About 250 arts leaders, education leaders, uh, policy thinkers came uh, to advance uh, the cause of our effort statewide. And again, it's the California Department of Education, uh, the California Alliance for Arts Education, the California Arts Council, the county superintendents, and more recently, in the last year, we added the California PTA, the largest PTA in the nation, close to 900,000 members. And so those five organizations make up the statewide collective we call Create California. So, Pat, thank you for that as a reminder. But everybody here ought to know about it, ought to find a way to stay engaged, and that's the way to do it. Thank you all very much. Thank you for having us. Yeah.